Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Elvis fans from around the world, welcome to another episode of Shaping Elvis. I am your host, Josh Ward, sitting here at the WTVA podcast studios in lovely Tupelo, Mississippi, King City, right down the road from the birthplace of the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. I do hope you are having a great day, evening, had a great day, whatever time you may be listening to this. So when you think about friends, pals, buds, compadres, amigos, wingman, how far does it go back? I mean, do do you have like a a friend that, um, you know, you can pinpoint to a time way back in childhood that was friends for a lifetime? Maybe you have a bud that you met later in life. You become real good friends and that sort of thing. Well, Elvis had such a friend. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I have a special interview today. And I debuted him last time. And he goes by the name of Mr. Guy Harris. Funny story. When we first, when I was first trying to get in touch with Mr. Harris, um, I had heard his name pop up several times. Well, actually, before I even started doing the podcast, I have heard the name Guy Harris, and I never had the chance to meet him, uh, never got to uh, bump into him. I've seen videos, uh, you know, online or maybe even in a documentary somewhere where I've seen Mr. Guy Harris, and I knew when I was assigned this project that I was going to, at some point, have to find Guy Harris and speak with him. Well, when I first started getting into this podcast, I was looking for anybody who could point me in his direction. The funny thing is, is when I started talking to people about Elvis and different stuff, Mr. Harris's name would come up nearly every single time around this area. So as you know, throughout this whole experience, I've been talking with Miss Connie Tullis, and she helped me get in touch with Mr. Harris. Now, the whole funny part of this is about two or three weeks before this, Miss Connie came up and was telling me, I'll get in touch with him and uh, we'll get together somewhere, somehow. Uh, Don't worry. And I said, okay, great. That went on for about two weeks. We couldn't, we never could connect. So one day I just decided to go up to the birthplace just to get some interviews. Um, I think that was during the time of the Elvis Festival. And as I was walking through, a gentleman started walking towards me and he was talking to someone else. And about that time, I realized it was Mr. Harris. And he walks up and uh, he was right in the middle of a story. Of course, I didn't have my gadget with me to where I could record said story. But anyway, as he was finishing up that story, he turned to me and stuck his hand out and he said, hi, I'm Guy Harris. And I said, yes, sir, I know exactly who you are. And I'm Josh from the TV station. And he turned to me and he smiled and he just (laughs) said, so you're the TV guy. I said, yes, sir, I am. And uh, from then on, it was to me, it was funny because we would pretty much run into each other uh, every other day uh, following that. And and Mr. Harris has been so nice and so generous in helping me uh, 
get through some of this stuff. And I just so thankful that I finally did get to meet him. And so one afternoon, uh, Miss Connie and I went down to the birthplace and met with Mr. Harris and had a very nice discussion about his friend, Elvis. My name is Guy Harris, and I was uh, born and raised on Adams Street in East Tupelo, uh, just uh, down the street from where Elvis uh, lived. Of course, Elvis born at the birthplace, up, uh, where the birthplace is up there, and then uh, they moved in different places on Berry Street and uh, also on Kelly Street here in East Tupelo. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, and what I do is, is uh, I do uh, visitation with guests that come in through the Convention Visitors Bureau. I, I work directly with the, with the ladies over there and, and uh, the guy over there. And I work with the uh, uh, Elvis birthplace here, uh, meeting and greeting and uh, spending time with folks in the afternoon like I've done this afternoon and uh, you know just getting and trying to answer some of the questions if they have one about uh, uh, this or that you know uh, and uh, when did I get to know him and all that kind of stuff and uh, so and it, it at my age and all it, it passes a lot of time off for me you know right and uh, uh, so uh, uh, oh well what your your claim to fame, though, if if I can use that <laughs> use that phrase, though, um, you, like you just told a lady up here a minute ago, there's a picture up up front that's got five little boys on them. One of them's Elvis, and there's one close to him. That would be you. Oh well, uh, yeah, that's in a p picture I got. I was referring right. to a picture of me and my brother in the. Oh. Uh, <laughs> In the uh, museum up there, uh, it sits right above the five little houses. It said, "I hear, you know, they were okay. they were three houses the size of the birthplace house, and then they were two bigger houses, uh, and uh, that sat on this end. The church is uh, sitting about where uh, uh, one of the older gentlemen that lived in the house lived uh, there for a number of years, okay. and." Uh, well, how how did you and Elvis meet? Well, they were. Uh, I was born June the sixteenth, nineteen thirty-eight, uh, at two hundred seven Adams, which is right down the street from. They were living there on Berry Street, and uh, so uh, Gladys would come down and visit with my mom. Her and Elvis would uh, two or three times a week. Well, after I was born, they got to where they came pretty regular. They were building the Assembly of God Church uh, in June of 38. So uh, mother, after I was born, she would take me out on the porch in the afternoon, and she said we'd sit there, and of course uh, uh, I, would, I was probably just gazing out over everything, not knowing, don't remember any of it, you know, yes, except what she told me. and. Uh, uh, we would watch them build on the church uh, as, as Massel brothers doing at Gaines uh, and uh, his brother, Brother Massel. And uh, so uh, then her and Elvis would walk down the afternoon and uh, uh, I was about, I was laying across my mother's lap and about that much, about three or four inches of my feet and my 
he had on the other end, you know, and I'm just hanging off there, and uh, he just started picking at me at that age, and uh, we just, you know, got to, he got playing with me, and from that time up, we just uh, got real close. Um, and pretty much, y'all just played wherever and whenever and well, yeah, with we, whatever. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, we, we, usually what we uh, played with was stuff we would make. We'd think of the, he and the older uh, boy that played with us, Odell Clark, and, and we would make some of that stuff like rubber guns. Uh, we even, uh, as we got a little bit bigger, tried our hand at making a boat, but that didn't work either, so <laughs> we scrapped that project. <laughs> I got burnt real bad uh, melting tar. They're showing me how to melt tar and hold it over open fire, and the wire slipped and the tar hit the ground and came up and burnt my arm all the way from down here all the way up to here. Good gracious! And uh, mother burnt the other end when I got home for for doing it. So uh, we got out of the boat business. I did uh, right quick. Uh, that stopped me from wanting to be in on the boat deal. Well, um, the day that we are recording this is actually the day before your birthday, so happy early birthday to well, you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll be 80 tomorrow. Well, bless yeah. your heart. Yeah. Um, you kind of you kind of got into the boat business as you was talking about. What else did you guys get into? Well, we built uh, we made little rubber guns. You ever did you ever make a rubber gun when you was a kid? To find an old board and cut it out and take a inner tube and cut it and some of them you know stretch it and put wow. a put a clothespin on there you know and then mash that clothespin and. Some of them would shoot from here to the wall, though, you know. And then if you shot somebody, you, you know, you'd kind of choose up and have different ones on different sides. And then when you'd killed everybody, well, then you'd have to start over. Reloading. You know. Yeah, yeah. reloading. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. So um, the, y'all kind of made your own trouble, if you will, I guess. Well, we... Uh, uh, you know, I, I listened to those older guys most of the time. I was back here, and there's uh, three or four steps ahead of me, you know, uh, uh, Elvis and uh, the Clark boy, Dale Clark, uh, and uh, the Fair Boys and uh, different ones, whoever's in the posse at that time, you know, and uh, we would follow each uh, I, I mean, I'd follow them around, and uh, naturally I'd do whatever they told me to do, you know, or try to if I... <laughs> You know, could and right. uh, but uh, it, it, and it wasn't anything bad. We played right here behind where we're sitting today. Uh, I'd say probably three or four days out of the seven wow. every week. We uh, we had free range to go in. Uh, of course, this was just a bit, just a bigger hill back here behind the scene. And then right over the hill, uh, one of the longs uh, had a lake over there, and she had, start, had to stop with fishes. So she'd let us go over there fish as we got bigger, you know, and me being with them. A lot of times I might be over there throwing rocks out into the lake, but they'd be over there trying to catch a fish or something. <laughs> and you, you scared know. them the whole time. Well, yeah, probably did. <laughs> if there's any in the... Uh, over there in the edge of the water, but I'd make sure they went toward the deeper <laughs> to help the guys out. Can you, can you look 
back there and and still see those young boys playing? I can, and uh, you know, I can sit right here and vision in my mind. I see me and him, Nodell Clark, about halfway up at Hill right now. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> sometime it worked and sometime it didn't. We'd make little wagons, you know, and we'd ride down that hill uh, oh, as far as it would go. And uh, uh, we'd get our boxes, our hopper crates. Uh, they make a pretty good, you know, pretty good wagon. And we'd uh, nail some wheels on them on a stronger board. And uh, then we'd take a two-by-four and uh, stretch the wheels out, you know, and we'd just... Uh, sat down in the little apple crate box and then take her feet and her hands and try to guide it with a rope and her feet. <laughs> and sometimes that didn't work. It didn't work for well. <laughs> no, he got pretty banged up coming down that hill. And uh, But we, we tried not to get hurt because, uh, you know, if you went home hurt, you you was hurting elsewhere when, uh, <laughs> when, them, when them mothers got through with you, you know. So, but, uh, I mean, you know, they was understanding. I mean, we were just boys, you know, and just uh, what we did, we didn't, what we did is, is we made things we played with. We did not get out here and take advantage of nobody and uh, tear up something that belonged to of the neighbors or something like that. We we knew better than to do that yeah. uh, because uh, carried too many marks uh, around for three or four days in stripes. <laughs> we got them uh, <laughs> limbs wrapped around you a few times. So take note, younger generation. There's right. there's more to That's do right. than video games. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I'm guilty of it too. I grew up with the video games. Mm. Uh, let me ask you about... Uh, Mr. Vernon and Miss Miss Gladys, can you talk about them? Well, yeah, they were super nice individuals, you know, and uh, uh, they were good parents to Elvis. And uh, uh, I know uh, my mother and my aunt was seamstress, and they worked over in Tupelo. And, and Vernon uh, worked for McCarty Wholesale Grocery, which was at the time was right in front of the entrance to where Fair Park is now for a number of years. And so... Uh, Mother and me get up in the morning and fix breakfast for my my grandfather and uh, me and my smaller brother and uh, you know and then uh, Vernon would come along you know in a little while and they'd all walk the levee you know they had the choice uh, to uh, walk to work or stay at home so <laughs> my, but they walked to work every day it, uh, they had work to do because you know it was time for it back in those days. Uh, give me one of your fondest childhood memories. Well, you know, uh, you couldn't. I couldn't ask for better playmates, and because they always looked out for me. But uh, now we would uh, stretch boundaries sometime before we were supposed to go. You know, and uh, we weren't supposed to be at the creek at all. You know, while our people. <laughs> Our parents didn't know where we was at, anything like that, but we always had an excuse. We could go over and, and dart his pastor and play, which is right to our right, right across the street here from birthplace. And uh, so uh, we would go over there, and we had a little trail we went through, and when we got uh, down to the creek, we'd go down the bank, get in the creek, and it was anywhere from uh, ankle deep uh, to uh, maybe knee deep till we got to the old swimming hole. 
and the swimming hole was probably about three uh, football field lengths from where my home set, you know. So uh, it was a dead giveaway once we got down there because as soon as we got back out on the bank down there, we started throwing shirts here and uh, shorts or whatever we had on, the little things we had on and all. And uh, hanging them, you know, where he wouldn't get wet, to, to, so they wouldn't think we'd been there. <laughs> but uh, uh, I know one afternoon we went in, and uh, my mother said, uh, "Son, you've been uh, swimming." I said, "No, ma'am." I said, "My uh -oh. pants is not wet or anything like that." She said, "No, but that head of hair is right there. <laughs> like that, you know." And she said, "That's a dead." So she went and got one of them. Long limbs uh -oh. wrap around you about three times, you know, when every time she hits you. Now, Mr. Harris, that's that's the second time you've mentioned long well, limbs. Come yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, and uh, they were they were very handy. They always had a sharp knife, real handy, where they could cut one that quick too. And uh, but no, we we weren't bad kids. Well, at least what we were doing was to ourselves. Right, right. Because we was the one that got punished for it. Hey, you know? I, I tell you from personal experience, I used to have to go pick, get my own switch. <laughs> I've done, I tried that one day, and I went out and cut a piece of limb, brought it in, this about the size of my thumb. My mother hit me about two licks, and that thing just happened to come apart. And uh, she grabbed that knife up and started out to I said, I'll go get another one, Mother. She said, you had no. your opportunity, son. She brought one in a little bit bigger, and it didn't give a bit, but oh, I did. Oh, my goodness. So uh, uh, the next day when them boys come by, I was out on the yard with my grandfather, and uh, I couldn't go play with them that day for probably a couple of days after that. Uh -oh. But uh, that was kind of our punishment, yeah. you know, you know. We weren't bad kids. We didn't tear well, anything did, up or anything like that. It didn't nothing wrong happen to you when you grew up, so something must have. Well, right. you know, uh, <laughs> you uh, you can or you can't, you know. And I just decided that that wasn't wouldn't be my kind of right. You know, right. Of, uh, so I tried to keep a clean nose and the water right. Uh, one of the things we talked about earlier. Um, was peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Oh, yeah, yes, sir. I mean, and I'm probably going to have one for supper tonight. <laughs> but uh, I can make you a peanut, banana, a peanut butter and banana sandwich in just a minute, man. Oh. I, I mash that banana up as good as anybody. I mean, yeah, we did that. Now, he kind of liked his. Uh, I don't know if uh, I never did eat one. Uh, I, you know, I was ready to get mine when they got them made. I didn't have time to cook it. <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, it, it it fed a lot of kids around this area, and it uh, also, uh, it was good for you, too, the peanut yeah. butter and the bananas. Is it is it a safe, is it a safe thing to say that you have had one of Miss Gladys's, like the original <laughs> Miss Gladys peanut butter and I've bananas? I've eaten several of hers, and uh, I've eaten other food at her house also, oh, and everything was very good. And, and you know, Miss Minnie lived with her in Vernon, and she was some kind of a cook, uh, as that was her grandmother. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, in the middle of a day, and you're out of school for the summer or whatever, or just out of school on a Saturday or something, you know, 
you always uh, you had certain things to do, you know, such as maybe bringing in the coal for the heater or something like that. Mm -hmm. You had a little odd job that we both had to do, and uh, when it come time for him to do his, he's glad to say, right there is where you get to your house, guy. <laughs> so uh, I'd put my, my, I ain't used to say I'd put my foot in my hand and I'd hit Tool Cell Madam Street. <laughs> Quick like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, she was uh, she was loving and good to you as you could be, you know. And uh, I, I never heard anything on Miss Gladys. She was super nice and very, and so was Vernon. Vernon's always super nice to me. Well, everybody was, you know. Right. They just, uh, in other words, if uh, he got in trouble and she whipped him, she didn't run down there and tell uh, mother. You know that well. You know, guy Thomas and him. If she did, I never did know it. You know, I, I probably got several whippings that I didn't think I had coming, but I probably deserved them <laughs> for something I'd done before or after that, anyway. But uh, yeah, and you know, uh, they uh, they would try to. Uh, well, you did. You didn't have to worry about where you was going to be two days of the week. You knew on Sunday morning you was going to church. You knew on Sunday night you were going to church. And you knew on Wednesday night you was going. No excuses. Bar none. You know, it don't matter how, how bad my stomach hurts or this and that. Boy, get them clothes on. And, and uh, uh, on Sunday night and Wednesday night, uh, most kids in this here down, that, down below the hill there, and back Barry, uh, Kelly Berry and uh, Ree Street would go to the Assembly of God Church because on Wednesday night, on Sunday night, they'd let us go sing in the choir. Okay. Know? Yeah. Right. So we'd get to go up there and sing in the choir, you know. And actually, uh, I, I would credit a lot of the, his uh, gospel mu music coming out of that little church out there. Right, yeah. You know, and... Uh, as some of the older uh, guys that uh, uh, died out through the years, and see that little church started as a brush arbor up there behind Mr. Noah Presley's store back in uh, the show enough early days. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know exactly what year or uh, anything like that, but that's the way it started out. And uh, uh, but then then they bought that lot there on Adam Street, right across from where I lived, and. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, they had, uh, and that, that church was very well known. And I have seen them have a revival there, maybe a seven day revival, or a week, a full week. And uh, on, uh, I'd say, six out of the seven nights, you couldn't get in the church. And if the kids was taking up a bench, they'd get, get the kids out and they'd either sit in the parents' lap or uh, <laughs> maybe uh, uh, we'd go across and sit on my front porch which, uh, with the doors open on the church and, and, and back. You, you could look, you're looking right in the door. I remember one year they had a revival there, and I don't remember what year exactly it was, but, uh, you know, uh, all the benches were full. Uh, they put chairs around the wall, people standing around the walls. 
uh, and had all the windows up and, and the doors open. And, and then our front porch, we had all the chairs we had sitting out on the front porch for some of the older people that, that you know, and then the ones that didn't sit there, they'd sit on the edge of the porch, you know, because you could sit right there and look, look at the preacher right now, you know. All you're doing getting a long-distance shot at him, you know, where they're getting <laughs> closer. To but uh, that, uh, you know, and... Uh, that's just what we did, and, and but I mean, you know, you knew where you was going. You knew to have that bath and be ready when uh, seven o'clock got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no questions asked. I just get it done. And church and religion within that those days are very important. important. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, well I, and I hate to say it, but it <laughs> seems like it's more important back then to to many than it <laughs> probably is to many today. Well, I don't know about all that now, but I, I do know uh, in the uh, 40s, uh, up until my mother died, and I got married and all, you know, you was there. That's where it was. I mean, you didn't have to ask no question. You got that little bit of duds on, and you got Mama by the hand on one side, and my brother Junior on the other. And we walked over to the Missionary Baptist Church. We were actually Baptist, but we went to Missionary Baptist Church on Sunday morning. Uh, here, Brother Bear here preached, but we way we looked at it, we didn't call it Missionary Baptist and Free Will Baptist. It was Brother Gibson's church and Brother Bear Hill's church. And uh, brother, whoever was preaching there at the Assembly of God, and whoever was preaching over here at the Methodist Church, you know. And uh, maybe if they had uh, something going over over here at the Methodist Church, we we would pick kids out of that community to come up here to it, you know. I mean, that church was there. The, the Methodist Church sitting there was there. It's been a very little under it since, uh, uh, you know, we went to it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still us. Uh, Looks basically like it did, you know. Hmm. I want to change gears a little bit. Um, you told me about uh, when Elvis and Jesse were born, um, specifically about your your mom being there. Yeah, mother was there, and I know uh, uh, Zora Riley was there. Uh, that's a lady, another lady in the community here on uh, uh, Bear Street. Her her husband in later life was a uh, minister also, uh, and uh, but yeah, they were they were there. And uh, uh, Je- Jesse was born first. Uh, the time I've always had instilled in my head and mind was four o'clock in the morning, and. Uh, uh, after he was born, uh, uh, Dr. Hunt, mother said, was taking his gloves off, uh, rubber gloves off, and uh, uh, talking with her and Ms. Riley, and uh, I'm, I'm sure Vernon, well, I know he was, he is there, and uh, probably some of the, more of the Presley relatives and things, and uh, said, uh, 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 Gladys looked over and said, Faye, don't, don't let him get gone, said, uh, my stomach feels funny. Now, I, uh, this is a story my mother told me mm-hmm. and said, uh, uh, my stomach feels funny and uh, said, I, I believe I, I may have another baby in there. Well, Jesse was born at 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, of course, being stillborn, you know, and uh, they did 
best they could by him and then had him and his little play thing sitting up on a uh, table, a little table or a uh, old sewing machine like they used back in those days that you would could use uh, as a uh, place to set something. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, Dr. Hunt put back on his glove, on different pair of gloves and uh, uh, got his stethoscope and checked it and he said, I, I believe I do hear another heartbeat. Well, see, neither one of them knew, had no idea that it was going to be twins. Well, then uh, about uh, about 4.30, old Elvis come bouncing out of there, and he bounced the rest of his life. Yeah, didn't know? he? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he was very active and, and all. And uh, I just briefly, just briefly saw just a real old picture in uh Somewhere, and I don't have no idea where is that. I'm surprised I don't have a copy of it, but I don't. But their facial expressions weren't exactly, but they were real close. Hmm. You know, what little bit I could uh, remember uh, seeing out of it, you know, as I got older and got to think about it. You know, back in them days, uh, we, we didn't think about things like that, you know. Uh, and you're talking about. Jesse and Elvis? Yeah. They're... Yeah. Oh, they're... Uh-huh. okay. Yeah, yeah, they were, uh, uh, you know, and of course Elvis, uh, they went ahead and made plans and uh, buried uh, Jesse over at Priceful Cemetery. And they several Presley's buried over there, but all they ever had was a little foot marker that the uh, funeral home put with his little name on it and date of birth and I guess how big he was and all that kind of stuff and uh, sometime through the years somebody had pulled that up Mm. so uh, I was told that uh, many years many years ago that uh, if they knew exactly where he was at they would have done had had him removed and put up Graceland and the plot up there that's but I don't think they were, you know, I don't think nobody could just walk up and say, well, that's it right there or anything like that, you know, after that marker came up missing. And uh, and there's a lot of Presley's beard up there, you know, and he's right in the mix with them, I guess. And uh, But uh, I don't know that to be a fact, but uh, I know he's bearded priceful, and I know there's a plot of Presley's up there, so... Uh, I'm sure he's right in that mix there somewhere, but uh, Lord knows we don't. Mm-hmm. Changing gears again, can you tell me about when he, and and we haven't said yet, but sitting right across from us is Miss Connie Tullis, we've talked to her <laughs> uh, earlier, who works at the Tupelo Hardware. Hey, Miss Connie. Hey, you're <laughs> uh, We're going to talk about Tupelo Hardware now. Um, can you tell me about when... Elvis brought his first guitar home, or do you remember that? Uh, I remember him getting a little wagon for Christmas. Okay. And uh, we were playing in the open ditch just north of the Seminole God Church, but before you got to Berry Street, pretty good side ditch. And uh, there was a gentleman uh, that had parked his truck there and visiting uh, one of the neighbors there that lived behind the church. 
And then his leaving, and uh, I had run home for something that day and uh, when this happened. But with him leaving, he had a pretty good-sized truck. Well, he backed over that little red wagon. Mm. And uh, so uh, Elvis uh, got it by the tongue of the wagon, and some of them said and said it tore out toward the house and he couldn't pull it or something, you know. But it, uh, So he went and got Gladys. Well, here she come like a B-27, you know. And, uh, uh, Mama bear, huh? Yeah, yeah, very much. And uh, so she came down there and uh, uh, the rest of the kids and the Elvis and all had, to, you know, told the same story of what had happened. The man just backed up in his truck and ran over the wagon. Well, they had a discussion around there, and uh, she finally got around telling him what it cost, so he just took money out of his pocket and gave her what he, she paid for the wagon, and then uh, uh, they, I didn't, I didn't know when they went to to uh, Tupelo Hardware about getting a guitar. I, I think she cleaned him up, uh, and you'd have to. <laughs> I don't know what kind of stories Connie's got on that, but yeah. I do know. Yeah. Now, I have always been told it was on his birthday. Actually, on his birthday, January the 8th, in 1946, that he was turning 11 years old that day. Well, that, when they that, came in. That could very well have been, mm -hmm. you know, and I know I was seem like I was probably a kid up you about like about that, yeah, and, and I was about, uh, yeah, I, I think say about seven, eight year old, mm -hmm. and uh, but when I got back over, it, all of this had happened and taken place, so uh, and uh, she pretty well had the floor, so I wasn't one of the kids saying anything, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, as few parents, hang, uh, you know. Standing around there listening to, and uh, but now I, what the conversation was, I have no idea. But I do know it, uh, or I don't really know. I didn't say it past hand, but I've been told that whatever she gave for the wagon, she was reimbursed. You know, of course that didn't put the little wagon back in circulation right then. That just delayed things, and uh, I've uh, and you know, and I've had. People say that he wanted the rifle, you know, and uh, she was head bent for him not to have the rifle, which I don't think she probably cared for him having the rifle, uh, <laughs> because but there were too many kids, you know, and she's scared, you know, that uh, something might happen to a to a kid in the community, and that would uh, really been a sad situation. So. Uh, they brought that guitar back back home, and the uh, first time I seen it, they were living in the Kelly Flynn house right here, and uh, we were actually been up here on the hill playing here behind the birthplace and went back down there, and so we stopped off there at his house because the Kelly Flynn house at that time was the first house sitting on the right going down the slope there going down to it. There wasn't actually a road that came all the way through at that time. And... And so uh, he uh, he went in there and got it. Well, he went in there to get him a drink and uh, uh, something because our destination was the creek. So uh, <laughs> when he came back, uh, he brought it out on the porch and he sat down and 
uh, sang Old Ship for me and Oakdale and strummed on his little guitar there, you know. And uh, uh, so we sat down this to him a few minutes, and then we got up, and he took his guitar and put it up, and uh, we we journeyed on to a path that, that led to the creek, <laughs> which was uh, probably about a uh, about a half a mile from uh, where we were going to. Uh, well, no, it wasn't that far, but I'd say a quarter of a mile. Most, you know, from one end of uh, about where the ball fields is now. Just across the ditch, I would had a path that went right down and went right down into the creek, and uh, the water would be anywhere from ankle deep to uh, nearly knee deep on just yeah. us kids, you know. And it wasn't any anyway, you know, wasn't nothing that you had to be uh, real uh, careful for because you know it wasn't any kind of water deep enough. When you we could see the hole when you, you could walk over here. And maybe look over there and see, you could see where the hole went down, you know, and where it washed out through the years. And uh, we had, it probably was, uh, I heard some of boys say the uh, 10, uh, 8 to 10 foot deep, maybe hmm. something like that. And But then when you got right on the other side of the hole, then you could walk right back in the ankle to, to uh, knee deep water, you know, from one side <laughs> of the creek to the other. <laughs> And uh, I know uh, we were sitting there one day, and me and my brother Junior, we had been—I'd been kind of playing with him because he's smaller, and I keep an eye out on him because I knew if Faye got word of it uh, and he got hurt, well, I was in sure enough trouble. So uh, met him with, uh, and uh, we were just like we were when we were born. Now that was, we didn't have on a swimming suit that day, but we went and sat in the sand on, on the west bank and we were looking at the other one. Well, he and I were just sitting there throwing sand on each other or probably doing something or hitting on each other, how brothers do, you know. And uh, I heard mother's voice come in real clear and I said, uh -oh. Junior, I said, that's Mama. I said, it sounded like she's just right there on that top of that hill there about that fence. And Ed Randall was in the water, and he was just standing out there, and he was doing he was doing like this. He was pointing toward Mother while I looked up there. And I'm sure my eyes got pretty good size when I noticed uh, that 98-pound woman standing up there because... Uh, my God, it should have weighed 200. I'd probably left town at an early age because <laughs> she could put that, she could sure put that whipping on you now. But uh, Junior looked out there. I got, I got whipped all the way to the house and uh, because if uh, the reason was if, if I hadn't have been there, he wouldn't have been there, mm -hmm. you know. So I guess I was in charge of him that day, but but anyway, that's what happened, you know. And and that's the way uh, you know usually it went. If you got bigger brothers or smaller brothers, or something you right. know, you and Connie both know how that is. You you take care of this one, or you take care of that one, and uh, and for sure you didn't want nothing happen, you know, like that right. in a place like that. And those older guys, like the Randall boy, was a grown grown young man and uh, so was uh, I don't think well I, I don't think Elvis was even with us that day I, I don't remember it uh, and, and 
but I know Dale Clark was. And uh, she said, <laughs> but man, I'm telling you, it, it was something. And it, but we had we had great time down there. I mean, uh, my father was still around some of those times, you know, because uh, uh, I know uh, he took me down there one one time later on, and his kid followed us down there, and uh, uh, so. Uh, Daddy was playing with me out in the deeper water. Well, that kid got off in that deeper water, you know, and, and was going under, actually drowning. Wow. And uh, my daddy threw me out on the bank in the sand, and, and uh, he reached over and picked that kid up with the hair of the head and drug him out and pumped, it, pumped the water out of him. And uh, then uh, he threw him over his shoulder and, and took him home. He lived over on Kelly Street. And... Uh, and got a doctor out here, uh, probably, I don't remember exactly who it could have been, and uh, got him pumped out, and so he he lived a good normal life. But you know, and that's, that was uh, that was the sole reason why they didn't want you down there with a bunch of kids, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, because of the the tragedy end of it. You sure. Know? Uh, you remember the first time you heard Elvis on the radio? <laughs> I do. Yeah. I was, I mean, uh, th this is coming from a man who's heard him before anybody. <laughs> I was uh, I was washing. Uh, I was in uh, probably the eleventh grade at school, and on Saturday afternoon, and we had an old green fifty model Mercury, and I was out in the yard uh, washing on it, cleaning. Well, I'd been washing on it, and I was cleaning the windows. You know, I thought I might find me a girl that'd look at me or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> And uh, don't we all? So uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, uh, Ed Randall hollered and said, "Got Thomas, come here." Well, I knew he'd been working on his car because I seen him over there, and they lived directly behind the church at that time. And I went tearing out over there, and I said, "Well, yeah, well, buddy, what is it?" I said, "You ain't heard it, nothing." He said, "Oh no," I said, "List this radio here," and he said, "You know." We listened to it. Uh, that's all right, Mama. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, he said, "Do you know who that is?" I went blank as a sheet of paper. You know, I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I couldn't think of nothing at that time. And, and uh, he said, "You mean tell me that's your best friend, and you can't tell me?" And, and I had. I said, "Oh yes." I said, "He told me he was going to cut a record at the fairground." You know. One Saturday night we was at the fair. In fact, the last time we got to go to the fair in 1953. And uh, so uh, I, I had a little doubt there about, and so I, I went on home, and uh, so I, I didn't get to hear too much of it. But when I got home, then I... Uh, went in and I called the radio station and I said, that, that song you just played a few minutes ago, I said, who was that singing that? And told them, what, that's all right, Mama. Or, and they said, uh, that's a Tupelo boy named Elvis Presley. And I said, you got to be kidding, you know. And so I said, well, can you play it again? He said, well, right now, uh, all we can play is over 30 minutes. Well, when 30 minutes, the, that 30 minutes was up, I had that radio turned up where you could hear it. <laughs> Probably in the south end of East Tupelo. So uh, I listened to it again. And uh, 
I knew all of this because he told Odell Clark and myself at the fair in 1953, he told me first because me and him were standing over here talking and Odell was over here talking to another guy. And, and I said, well, buddy, what you been doing? He said, well, guy, let me tell you. He said, uh, I went by uh, uh, that studio up at Sun Records to see about making a record. I said, you did? He said, yeah. And I said, well, what did they say? He said, well, they, they sounded interested in all. And I said, well, what's the name of that song? And he said, well, that's all right, little, little mama. And I, and I came back with one of them smart deals, like, well, yeah. I said, it had to be all right, little mama, or you wouldn't be doing it. You know, I didn't, uh, and because that, uh, I knew uh, she'd have to rubber stamp it there. It wouldn't have been done. But then uh, when, uh, when I heard it the second time, I could tell right off. But the, uh, the part I didn't like about that, uh, that cut out our going to the fair on Saturday night together. So we never did get go yeah. to the fair on Saturday night together anymore after 1953. Oh, and we had went to the uh, fair together every Saturday night and knew them kids' day, as long as they lived here and all, you know, and uh, always had a great time and uh, always went in the same way and came out the same way. We'd go uh, uh, under a fence going in and then come out a nice big gate <laughs> come out and hit that leg and walk these two blowing going to the I'd stop off at home and he'd gone to his house over there and oh, then we'd discuss man. everything the next day but that's that's when I heard about him gonna cut that record wow and uh, you know and sure enough he did and uh, and as I tell everybody everything else was history after that yeah you know I mean, everybody knows as much as I did. <laughs> you know, I knew the he was going to cut us. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, and it was it was it was up in the uh, way up in the clouds yeah. too. Can I ask one thing? Please, please. Do you remember, guy, when Elvis moved? I mean, I know he he lived around so many different places, but when he actually left and went to to Memphis, I mean, do you remember missing him or, or oh, yeah. just missing those? Yeah, I knew that they, they went up there because uh, uh, actually I had an aunt, Tressie, that was a seamstress and uh, she went up there because she needed extra work because her mother was uh, trying to finish out paying for that little old place down there that uh, Grandpa had, uh, uh, you know, had uh, bought, and uh, then their mother had died, and uh, so uh, Aunt Tracy and Lee and Griffin also lived with them at the same time. Lee and Griffin was married to somebody in the, uh, I guess it must have been a Griffin, but they were kin to the to the Presley somewhere or another. I don't know exactly all the history on that, you know. Uh, yeah, and they they lived in. Uh, they lived upstairs in that little boarding house, and Aunt Tracy says you went upstairs. Vernon Gladys and Elvis lived on the left side, and her and Lee and stayed over on the right side, and they're just across the hall from each other. Then uh, uh, she said probably about three days a week, Gladys would uh, have supper ready in the afternoon when uh, he came in from school, and. Uh, uh, they would all sit down and eat, and she said the rest of the time that her and Lee would go in to their apartment and fix their own 
uh, supper, stuff like that, and eat there, and then they'd stay on their side and let them three be together. And, you know, and because and, they didn't want to interfere with, you know. Privacy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so uh, she, uh, uh, I remember telling me one day she had come home for the weekend, you know, and the only way from, from Tupelo to Memphis was a Greyhound bus. Well, <laughs> you, you know, very few cars, you know, and uh, they were few and far between, you know. And the uh, streets wasn't f full of cars, but the f uh, full of people passing each other. One big going, <laughs> one coming, you know. And uh, but uh, that was motor transportation, and, and most folks had the same uh, same way, you know. And uh, really, and uh, so, but. Uh, she worked up there several years before she moved back to Tupelo, and then uh, uh, they lost her my grandfather. And, uh, uh, can you tell me about, did, did you ever get to go to Graceland? I know the answer to this, but I'm doing this for the benefit of the listener. Did you ever get to go to Graceland? Sure. Yeah, yeah I've, uh, I've been to Graceland a lot of Sunday afternoons back in the 50s, you know, in uh, I'd say uh, I graduated high school in '57, so uh, I, was, I went to Graceland a lot of Sundays, spend get there about noon and stay till close to dark. You know, yeah, it was uh, me and my brother and a couple of our friends, uh, 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 Wayne Bass and uh, Billy McCullough would always go with us and. Uh, we would do different things there at Graceland in the afternoons. We might go out back. I know uh, we was out playing touch football one day on the front lawn, uh, which was uh, in a couple of little girls trying to get a look at Elvis. <laughs> and uh, So finally one was boosting one up, and when she got to the top of the wall, and she put her hands on top like that, but when she did, she flipped over in inside Graceland. So we were playing. I said, where'd she come from? And he said, where'd she come from? I said, she's one of them that's been squealing over on the side of that fence hole in it. And so she jumped up and started running down toward the guard shack, you know, because the big gate was right there by the guard shack. And they, uh, so uh, we... Finally, all of us got to kind of hollering at her, and the little girl stopped, and she, we, we was walking toward her, and she was walking toward us, and uh, uh, she, she wondered said, what was going through her and mind. She, yeah, and uh, and uh, I don't blame her because yeah. uh, you know she thought, well, you know, I am in probably big trouble, but she wasn't. Uh, uh, he said. Uh, well, how'd you get in here? Well, she told you the same story I just told y'all, how she got in there. And uh, he said, well, how did you get up there to to get in that position? She said, well, my friend is on the other side of the fence over there boosted me up there. So uh, he uh, said, well, said, go over to the fence, go over to the wall, you know where the wall, block wall is, and said, tell her, to go to the guard shack, and in the meantime, uh, we had whistled and hollered at Vester to finally have us got his attention. He said, when this little girl gets down there and her friend gets to the gate, said, let, let her in. 
And well, and they came back up there, and so we took that little girl that came across the fence, and me and him was on the same side, and uh, I don't know, and uh, one or two more, other uh, Billy and Junior and uh, Wayne, and two or three more of his people hanging around there was was just playing touch football, and I said, Elvis, I said, throw her the ball, and he asked, I said, can you catch a ball? She said. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I kind of got tickled while I was centering it, and we told her to go out about 10 or 12 yards and turn around and look look at him, but he's going to be the one throwing the ball. Well, when she did, he said, now get your hands out where you can. He was showing her like this, get your hands out where you can catch it. And she said, okay. He said, you got that? And she said, yeah, okay. I, I. So she ran out there about what he, the distance he told her, and she turned around. Well, she's standing there like this, with her arms <laughs> just like this. He threw that ball, and, and I bet he could have threw it to her a hundred times that afternoon, but that ball went right straight and went right through her arms and fell right at her feet. <laughs> well, when she came back up there, he said, uh, why didn't you catch it, Bob? She said, uh, I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, I can't move my arm. <laughs> I said, oh, my God. I said, boy, you're in big time trouble now. <laughs> said, uh, she, uh, uh, they'll be out here after you in a little while. You done called that girl to get paralyzed. <laughs> catch that ball. But, that was, but we kept on it, and they played with us 15, 20 minutes, 30, something like that, and then finally we just broke up. You know, we yeah. just having something to do, having sure. a good time and being around him and and him around us. Yeah. And uh, All right, so if you're out there listening and you know who this lady is, <laughs> I want to talk to her, <laughs> or you were related to her. Or if you're still with us, please contact us. I think she might probably have been from uh, another state, and I don't know this, right? You know, because uh, I did. Yeah, she just uh, a girl, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, just a girl out there, you know. And uh, we might have a two hundred come forward. Yeah, one well, day yeah, that's true. Pick one that's out. true. Yeah, that's a, that was me. That was me. That was me. That was me. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, can you tell me the last time you saw him or the last time you talked to him? Do you remember that? All right. You can write this down. December the 29th, 1970. Hmm. In Tupelo, Mississippi on Front Street. I was a member of the Tupelo Police Department. And uh, the sheriff had called and told me if I had anything, asked me to have anything to do. And I said, no, I got to go to work tonight. But uh, that's what you got going on. And he said, well, your buddy's coming to town. So uh, I went ahead and get, uh, I had a little part-time job and got it off of me and went on home and got dressed and all. And then I called the chief and begged mercy to be off for a little while so, <laughs> so I could visit with him and uh, and Bill Mitchell was sheriff and uh, so uh, it was he and Priscilla Joe Esposito and seemed like another one or two maybe uh, that kind of stayed back I mean you know and, and uh, 
I got to spend a lot of time with and of course, Janelle and Roy and Jane Farron and, uh, and Mary and uh, Elaine and Jackie. And uh, so uh, we just had a great time together, you know. And uh, we were standing there, and uh, uh, the, the detective had fingerprinted Elvis, put his fingerprints on the card, you know, which is going to make him honor the deputy sheriff of Lee County and. Mm -hmm. Bill Marsh, who was also the uh, sheriff of Shelby County at one time and the Shelby County mayor's first, Shelby County's first mayor, is what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, is that right? Yeah, later <laughs> on, you know, and I've uh, worked at Graceland and we've been on the same card and, uh, since, you know, and uh, in fact, when when I got out of my little bit of training, I went through uh, uh, back in the fifties uh, or sixties on the police department. But then Bill came and spoke to uh, our our class and all. And uh, of course, Bill was raised over here around Tremont. That's pretty close to where uh, Mackie Hargett and them lived. And uh, Miss Minnie had a sister that lived over there. And so they they just didn't know each other but they, they knew each other well enough to know who you know but we just had a, a good, good time together and, and all that and uh, he and I and Priscilla uh, rode out here to the park you know and hmm. still, we still had the swimming pool here on the end and uh, had the ball, softball field over here where they usually played church ball you know back in those days and uh we walked around out here for, I guess, an hour, hour and a half. Uh, and he asked me about the pool. He said, well, do, do you ever come swimming here, guy? And I said, yeah, I, I do. And uh, I said, uh, I bring my daughter up here about every, whatever my day off is uh, and let her swim some. So, uh, you know, and uh, he said, well, I'm glad of that. I'm glad to know that. He said, well, what about Junior? said that. Does he do it? I said, well, we both play ball here at the softball field. And uh, he said, well, said, uh, I consider that my money was well spent. Then. That was, uh, you know, that was that. And, uh, you know, I met Priscilla that time for the first time. And on the way out here, he and her were sitting up front, and I was sitting in the back of the limo. And uh, he told her, he said, uh, the guy was my best friend growing up. That was the last thing you heard him say. Mm -hmm. Well, no, we 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 spent more time together yeah. that oh, night, okay. you know. But yeah. I mean, that was we were on our way out here, and then uh, uh, went on, and uh, he had to get the uh, mayor, the sheriff, which one bill yeah. was. He had to get him back to Shelby County, and. Uh, but we had we had a good time together, yeah. and Roy and Jane Farron and Mary and Janelle, and you know just some more folks uh, around town that uh, mean you know Connie and uh, Robert Armstrong was was in the crowd, and the uh, Coley boys were there, Bud and Bob Coley were there. Robert Armstrong is Victor's father. All right, let me interrupt real quick. Miss Connie is referring to Mr. Victor Armstrong. Remember a couple of episodes back, we talked with him from the fan club, Treasurer? Yeah, same guy. That's his dad that Mr. Harris is talking about. 
Okay, back to the interview. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, but uh, uh, Robert worked for the sheriff in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, and uh, the best picture I thought we had of uh, me and him and Elaine was it, it turned out to be a dadgum double exposure. Robert took it, but it, it was it's still you know I've had people offer to take it and said they could take it and straighten it up, but you know we had so many uh, different ones taking pictures still. By you <coughs> reliving that still touches you mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, he was a, a good man to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Well, I, I'll say this. Gladys still, Gladys still did a lot of things for my mama. But my mama did a lot of things for Gladys. So it just paid back. I didn't mean to turn the water on. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, and that's hard now that I, we've come to this question, but yeah, what's that? Where were you when you heard the news of his passing? Well, uh, believe it or not, but uh, I was at a car lot down on South Gloucester Street, and uh, one of the guys that uh, owned the lot said, asked me if I'd heard anything about that, and I said. Uh, uh, no, I hadn't, and I said, uh, surely that's just a rumor. That's kind of a big old boy, healthy and all that. And, and uh, so, but I, but I told him, I said, well, I got a friend that worked with me on the police department, and I said, he's a DJ at night on We Love Radio, WLO. And uh, his name was Jim Duke, and uh, I called him and asked him had he, it, it was he had he just got to work, and he said yeah. And I said, well, is anything coming on the wire up there about uh, you know about Elvis dying? And he said I hadn't seen anything yet, yeah, but give me your phone number, and if I do, I'll call you. Well, I guess hour and a half later he called. So he said, well, it is true, you know. That's been 40 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, seemed like it's been 100. Yeah. And yet, just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the... It was, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great segue into, even though it's been 40 years, the one question that I ask everybody... Why do you think he is still popular? Why do you think he's still at the top of his game? Uh, I actually believe that, and I think most folks like me believe this, that, uh, well, you know, uh, in ball playing, you got MVPs, you know, and you got player of the year, you got... uh, all of that, you got the managers of the year and all that. Well, those guys get rated just like everybody else. And uh, 
But the main thing I rated, uh, I mean, that I looked at, uh, you couldn't, you could, if you, if you seen anybody, uh, he was a topic of conversation from day one. Is that the way you saw it, Connie? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, you know, he just, I mean, you know, like he told me, he said, I just at the right spot at the right time. But now, you can be at the right spot at the right time, but if you ain't got talent, you can't do the job. You know, whether it's playing ball, whether it's playing uh, marbles or whatever you're doing. And uh, he, he was the best. And he left here the best. And he's still the best. There will never be another Elvis. Mm. Never. Never be another Elvis. Often imitated, but never duplicated. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, Did you think that the first time you heard him sing, though? <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 really, I really didn't know. And, you know, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and I didn't have anything. He was even thinking about anything like that, you know. But uh, I tell you, one thing about the old boy, he cleaned up well, and he sung good, so everybody yeah. liked him more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, we used to kid and carry on about this and that, you know, and uh, we probably didn't have the best clothes to wear and this and that, but you know, you can uh, you can take an old car and clean it up and look pretty good. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but no, he was, he, he turned out to be a very nice looking guy and uh, he was a good boy. And uh, as much as I was ever around him growing up and all, we didn't drink beer and stuff. We drank guys tea and milk. Maybe but, some uh, lemonade. Well, yeah, if, uh, if uh, <laughs> somebody was having a, if it's having the uh, uh, Bible, vacation Bible school, that's there where you, you got go. that lemonade hey, at. Ain't that the truth? Schools, you know, or dinner on the ground over here at the Assembly of God or at one of the other churches here, you know, but uh, you just got to, you just got to give it to the man. He had it. And he he displayed it well. And I, I can't think of another any, anyone else that had such an impact on the world. Well, no, and, not and, just music, but his his personality and his love for his fellow man, yeah. his respect for his family, and just you know just wanting to help people. Well, yeah, and he did a lot of helping, too. I mean, you know, I mean, I know of other cases. I know uh, uh, that she did things for Mother, uh -huh. but I think the, uh, that was kind of a payback deal there mm -hmm. to a certain extent, you know. You know, you rub my back, mm -hmm. I rub yours when I can, you know. And uh, that's more or less... Uh, I'd say probably the theory that most folks around here mm -hmm. uh, was raised on back in those days. Yeah, and and if he had a uh, if he had a bar of candy, and we're sitting on that porch right down there, and uh, 
man, him an old deal. He didn't get to told bar. He third. He give it, he, he, freely. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we want to know. Uh, and I'm proud of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud for him. You know, right. I'm proud he could do that. Right. Because it was very deserving. And if it couldn't be me, I'm glad it was him. And uh, and as it turned out, it was him. It wasn't yeah. me. So, you know, but, you know, I've had a good ride myself, you know, through life. And uh, had a good job. Like what I did. And well, Mr. Harris, wouldn't you say, in a sense... He's still helping you. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's still you know, with you, regardless. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, but <clears throat> I find myself doing more than, I mean, you know, than, I, but I'm doing it for him. Sure. Nobody else. <laughs> I said, Elvis makes me a better person. Oh, yeah. Just they learning what he, yeah. the way he was. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, uh, a, a no telling uh, what that boy give away. No telling what he no. give away. No. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's no way of knowing. I'll never know, and you'll never know, and nobody else will never know. He probably didn't know. know. Well, uh, no, and, but now, he did it with the goodness of his heart, though. And uh, uh, I've had a lot of my friends say, well, uh, what did Elvis ever do you? I said, well, you, you just, I mean, you know, really, that ain't a whole lot of your business. But I said, no, he never gave me a car or anything like that. For the only reason, I never would ask him for one. I had too much pride. You know, he'd give me. Uh, I feel like he'd give me anything I wanted. But final question: What does Elvis mean to you? Everything. <laughs> Period. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Mr. Harris, you don't know how much it means to me to be able to do this and, and, and talk with you and, and get to know you in the last couple of days, and and uh, I hope this friendship can continue. Yeah, well, and, uh, as I told Connie, that was a r nearly run over each other <laughs> when we met. <laughs> Uh, and I, I didn't have no idea what you looked like, but uh, it was my pleasure. You know, I'm always glad to talk about Elvis. Yeah. You know, and uh, I enjoy doing it. Now, uh, if I if it benefits things that that I like, it's so important because you and I, guy, we're not getting any younger either. No. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm getting older. <laughs> and, and, all these stories are so important yeah. for, for his legacy to continue. Well, that's why I, I, I like to do things and like for people like you to sit in and maybe some of the other people that, because I don't get to come to the meetings like I'd like to because of my health. But, uh, you know, the more y'all can learn, 
You can keep it going. That's what I'm saying. It's so important to me. That's why we wanted to do something like this so we can get another avenue. And, and, you know, so many of the young, my kids are going to grow up on this digital stuff. Yeah. And that's it. They're not going to open a book. I can tell you that right now. Well, my daughter might. She she loves to read. But um, my son, I can see him right now. He ain't going to open a book. And, but he'll listen, and he knows he's four years old and tell you right now who Elvis Presley is. Well, yeah. And can sing, and can sing Hound Dog from front, front to back. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't that's know. That's the important thing. Yeah. That's what I'm... That's what you got to keep about. going. Yeah. Well, let, let me say this for, for the record. I, I really do appreciate you, and I thank you for doing this well, uh, for you. me. And uh, uh, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. And that's it from the birthplace. Thank you, Miss Connie. Well, you're just welcome, yeah, John. <laughs> you know, I, I just can't. We can't say enough about it, can yeah. we? So let me just put this in here real quick. I'm serious about what I say about my kids growing up knowing about Elvis. Here's proof. This is my boy. Okay, buddy. What? That's who? Ma? No, who is this? Who's this guy right here? All right, look. What? Ready? Yes. <laughs> look. What? Who's that guy right there? Elvis. <laughs> yeah. You like Elvis? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah? What's the favorite song? Yeah, That's the one you like? Yeah. Yeah? What else do you like? Um, I sing. No more. Singing? What? Can you singing? No. Okay. Hey, I love you. Okay. Mr. Harris has shared with me several stories that we didn't get into during this interview, and I do hope we can sit down again sometime and uh, have another conversation. But isn't he just the greatest? And I think those around this area will absolutely agree with me. Mr. Guy Harris, a national treasure in my book, and I have a fairly good feeling that we will get to sit down with him again. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Shaping Elvis. I do hope you'll tune in next time for another episode, and I do have another very special interview coming up next time on Shaping Elvis. Listen, If you have a story, if you have an idea, send it to me. You can do that at shapingelvis at gmail.com, jward at wtva.com, and of course you can hit me up on my Facebook page. If you do have a story, please send it to me. I will read it here. I didn't get any this time around, but that's okay. Go ahead and send them along, and I'll be happy to share them with your fellow fans. I do hope you'll subscribe to this podcast, rate it if you feel so led, and I hope to see you again next time on Shaping Elvis. This is Josh Ward saying, Elvis may have left the building, but he's never left our hearts. Bye. Shaping Elvis is produced and edited by me, Josh Ward, executive producer Jason Lee Esri. It is a production of WTVA Podcasts. The views and opinions you hear on the show belong to me and my guests and don't necessarily reflect those of WTVA, parent company Heartland Media, or WLOV. Thank you and good night.